I'm not even sure what episode we're on. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Atlantic Bushcraft Adventures. Tonight, episode 217. And we're talking about trolling motors. Uh, which, as you might have seen paste out, uh, posted up on the Facebook page there. Ben joined us. This is our topic for tonight. There is other topics. They will be for other nights when it's just myself or Melissa and I. I gave everybody a warning. Uh, but I... <laughs> But yeah, trolling motors. So, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ben. It's a made it in with tire squealing. No. <laughs> and like I said, so professional looking with the desk and stuff back there. I mean, business professional. This, if anybody's out there watching the video, this is the accounting section. <laughs> That's a lie. They know we don't get paid. But um, anyway, yeah, trolling motors. To hold all the. The ABA money, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you pull all the ABA money together, you might have enough to buy that lanyard. <laughs> it's a fancy <laughs> lanyard. <laughs> um, but yeah, so last week when we were talking there about uh, the vehicles of bushcraft, uh, we had mentioned some boating, and we were briefly talking about trolling motors. We didn't get into it too much, but it was mentioned that some people would be interested in hearing this topic. So here we are, and not to say that we're experts on this by any stretch of the imagination, but both Ben and I have owned one, correct? Yes. And we know enough just to be dangerous. So hopefully some of the information that we know we can relay on to you fine folks out there on the interwebs and maybe make you, or not make you, give you some more information to make a better decision if you're on the fence to buying a trolling motor. Or if, like me, when I first started looking into them, I didn't really understand the differences between a trolling motor and a gas-powered motor other than, you know, the obvious one is for, you know, trolling along. It's electric. And one is gas and made for basically more forward momentum. But the more I looked into them, the more I realized that there was this kind of whole little niche market for trolling motors and smaller watercrafts like rubber dinghies, canoes, things like that. Because you can get some uh, trolling motors that have, a they're a fairly good size. And I guess the first thing to start off, Ben, is maybe you know a little bit more about this than I do, is generally like gas-powered motors rated by horsepower trolling motors are generally rated by thrust if i'm not mistaken like you'll get 30 pounds, pounds of, thrust. of thrust or something yeah yeah and i think you can there's there is a chart i had it for a while to sort of compare it i think like 50 pounds of thrust is like a half horsepower or something it's not a lot of power um but they definitely have a point like i bought it for first thing is Gas motors tend to be heavier. Um, they require gas, which, you know, give or take has its advantages. Um, and you can pick them up a lot cheaper. I mean, I was looking at a brand new trolling motor straight out of the store for a fraction of what it would have cost to get a gas powered motor. And so when I bought mine, we had a 14 or 15 foot aluminum boat. And we were going to push it around with that. So we did. We pushed it around. And we got a battery and hooked onto it. And I think this is my main point. And, and you can listen to the whole show or not. <laughs> but what's really important, what's more important in the trolling motor is the battery. Yes. So and that's have, kind of one of the main things I want to touch on, too. There's a lot of yeah. misconception on what you can use as a battery for one of these things. 
So if you get a good battery, and you, ideally you want a deep cycle battery, a battery that you're able to discharge and fully charge um, without damaging it, because believe it or not, most lead acid batteries are only ever supposed to be discharged maybe 20%. Yeah, it, it comes down to when, and just going from a car battery, uh, once the voltage drops below a certain amount, they don't really bounce back well. You know what I mean? That's how you get dead cells, and when you get a bad battery in a car, it's because the voltage dropped down, did some damage to the internals of the battery, and now it just doesn't bounce back. It doesn't give you all the power, per se, which was, as I, sure, I assume you were getting to, was a mistake I made, first off, with a trolling motor. I got... A good battery. It was a good battery from a UPS uh, system. Uh, it was gel cell, but it still wasn't deep cycle. And this is where the problem went. I spent big money on this battery, too. Yeah. So, similar idea. We had a, a battery that already had had a hard life, and it didn't hold charge well. And deep cycling, a poor quality battery, doesn't help its life any as it was so what it tended to be is i would spend a ton of time charging this thing up and then as long as i used it really quickly i could get a life out of it but it would die quickly too it would just self-discharge um anyone who wants to know a lot about how these batteries work what's generally a starting battery or a starting deep cell battery has thinner plates and can't handle the discharges and recharges and now they they basically cook themselves they wear and don't recover well a deep good deep cycle battery actually has thicker cell or alum or lead plates and they're more sturdily built and they're designed so that if there's any flakes and stuff that fall off of them there's a gap so there's no internal shorting so there's there's a way to build a good deep cycle battery and what if it, even just because it says deep cycle doesn't mean it's a good deep cycle. Oftentimes it's still a deep cycle starting battery. The advantage of a starting battery is you can put out huge amps for a very short period of time. A deep cycle battery puts out small amps for a very long period of time. So on that note there, Ben, would you say that perhaps the... Let me back up. I know when you first initially turn on a trolling motor, it's probably going to drag a lot more amperage out of it because it has to, you know, build up that thrust and overcome the friction of the water to get the boat moving. So is that a plus or a negative for having a lot of startup amperage? Or does it really matter in the big scope of things? So if I remember correctly, and look it up for the particular one you're getting at, like I think the 50 foot-pounds, I think it works similar, similar in the way as... Each foot pound works out close to an amp or something. So basically with that motor, when you pull, put it the full crank, you're probably running close to 50 amps, which say, say you have a 2000 amp hour battery, you can work that out. You can pull 50 amps for X number of time. Like you can work it out. I don't want to do the math here. But <laughs> We're not mathematicians. Yeah. That's for sure. No. I, I can be if I have the numbers down from, but it's, you can run this many of amps for this amount of time and you can divide it out. The battery I had, theoretically, I could run it for close to an hour on, on 50 amps, but so full power. I never could get that out of it. And unfortunately, as you're driving, 
the first time I drove this thing, and this is not the good story I have with it. But we were driving around, we we're putting around, everything was really good. And then it would like beep, and I'd look, and it shows like weak battery. So you crank it down a little bit, and then it would be like good again for a while. So what I found, and I think we found this even like paddling. If you only want to go a little bit fast, it doesn't take a lot of power. If you want to go a lot fast, mm. it takes more power. So the more speed you get out of a boat, it's exponentially more power to get out of it. So with the trolling motor, I found to get the best life, you really want to stick around like the halfway point of what the motor can do. Now, see, you said you had a 50-pound thrust one. I have a 30-pound thrust one. And just before we were starting here, the reason that I ended up with a 30-pound thrust one... Wicked deal on it at Capri Tire. Uh, they regularly go for like 240 bucks. I think is what they're selling now for. I picked mine up for 149 Much like yourself, Ben, you bought it on sale. However, with mine, and this is what I was curious to ask you about yours and other people out there that have a little information on these, is you were talking about the speeds. I find like um, minus five speeds ahead, one speed back or something like that. But anyway, from halfway point up, I don't notice a significant difference in the speed going. Halfway point is kind of like, okay, yeah, now I'm cruising, and anything past that, it's like, I'm getting a little faster, but is it really worth the amount of effort that it's putting out on the battery? And the other thing was, where mine is so small, it's the 30-pound thrust, at those higher speeds, sometimes I can get a little bit of a wobble coming out of the motor, which I don't know if it's due because this is, you know, it's a Canadian tire brand, and nothing against Canadian tire, but I'm sure my $140 30-pound thrust isn't going to be anywhere near as good as, say, like a $600 30-pound thrust. It's just going to be a difference in build quality. Yeah. I just looked up a couple of statistics there. It says here, a two-horsepower engine would deliver enough power to generate 100 pounds of thrust of the vertical velocity. So if that's a two horsepower, simple maths would dictate that a 50 pounds of thrust would be one horsepower? Yeah, I don't think it's even that, though. That was just pure thrust. Hmm. Um, but one of the things going into trolling motors that, once again, I wasn't aware of going into it, just seen one on sale, thought it was a great price, went in and bought it, didn't look at this thing, is you can get bow or transom mounted <laughs> Uh, trolling motors, and I do know somebody that was in the same boat, uh, it was at Cabela's, or Bass Pro, whatever you want to call them here locally, they had a one on sale, and after seeing mine, they ran in to buy this thing, only to find out it was a bow-mounted trolling motor. And for anybody that's not aware, uh, bow-mounted trolling motors are generally for bass boat design. You put them on the front, and they pull you forward. They have a foot pedal, generally, that they operate with, and they're made for, you know, what most trolling motors were made for. Uh, they make you go along slowly as you're fishing. You can troll along and fish. Um, now, that being said, in the bushcrafting world, I find mine is awesome on the canoe. I originally got it for, I had a Seahawk 4? rubber dinghy that I had uh, ended up putting a hard bottom in. And I mean, Mel and I got a ton of use out of that. We went all around Lake Charlotte here out uh, by Garden of Eden on one charge. And this was with my crappy battery. Uh, now in the canoe, it goes much better. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk about with trolling motors for anybody out there that is thinking about getting one is what kind of watercraft are you going to put it on? 
Uh, if I stuck my 30 pound on a like 16 foot bass boat, I imagine even at full thrust, it's just going to kind of twiddle that thing around a lake. You know what I mean? As we're on my yeah. canoe, a lot smaller profile, a lot less drag on the water. It's actually going to boogie pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So I have mine at the cabin. We use it for button around. And honestly, if you weren't making any bow waves, you weren't, you know, disturbing anyone, but it was really nice. You could really enjoy it. You could catch. I could get pretty close to wildlife, get photos and stuff. I really enjoyed it. Um, the downside and upside to it is it was electric. I could charge it. I could take a solar panel and leave, keep it topped up. The downside, like I said, was the battery was heavy. The motor was light. Um, I did want to share, and maybe it's, it's a good time. You mentioned using it on a canoe. And the first time I hooked one to a canoe is possibly one of the funniest things I think I've ever done. And so we had this canoe with a square back canoe. That yep. was extended out. I think if you look up Sun Dolphin Canoe, you'll see it. So I hooked this thing to it. There's only about six foot of, of electrical line on this thing to the battery. So the battery was just in front of my feet. I'm sitting on the back seat, and I have to lean back far to get to the motor. You know where this is going, right? I know exactly where this is going, but keep on rolling. So I get the whole thing set up and I'm testing it. And when I lean back, I notice like I'm not a lot out of the water, but when I hit the power to it, water starts rushing in on either side of the back of the canoe. So I jump to the front of the canoe to try and straighten the thing out. And the motor stays stuck in the on position. <laughs> oh, I see where this is going all too well. Well, keep on going, Ben. Everybody else better join along on this one. So I'm now heading like across the lake in like lazy circles. <laughs> yep. And I'm like trying to get up there to turn the motor off, but every time I get close to the motor, it starts taking on water. So I realize that I can't do this. So now I'm really like frustrated. Like the motor's too far aft. I can't get to it. I can't abandon the boat. So I get the bright idea. Maybe I'll just disconnect the battery. It's right in front of me. Well, since it's pretty well locked on full power, it's pulling the full 50 amps through. And those um, wing nuts are bloody hot. <laughs> I imagine they would be. So long story short, did you, how'd you get it stopped? Did you let the battery run out or did you just say screw it and kind of bounce to the back and turn it off? I, uh, I managed to get, I know this is stupid. I managed to get some of my clothing wet and grab that onto the wing nut and loosen the wing nut and pull one wire loose. Gotcha. And it dragged down. And then I was able to take the paddle and paddle myself back because I was at least smart <laughs> enough to have a paddle in there in case something went wrong. But yeah, it, I had probably gotten five, six gallons of water in the boat with me by the time I got it straightened out. Yeah, it's just souvenir, Ben. You don't have to worry about that stuff. You're taking it home for the family. And on that note, that is one of the great things about a uh, trolling motor, which has been mentioned over here in the comments as well. There are some waterways where you're not allowed to use a gas-powered engine. Uh, and a trolling motor is a great way to get around that. Now, the other thing with a trolling motor is on a canoe, as Chris said here, it's kind of game-changing, or at least I found it has been. Because if I get me, Melissa, and Lily all in the canoe, uh, 
Melissa is learning how to paddle, don't get me wrong, but she's not uh, an expert by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I'm not an expert either. I'm, you know, <laughs> we're both kind of just making do. Uh, but Lily, on the other hand, she is more an anchor than anything. She tends to hang out of the boat and let her arms drag and things like that. So you can, you're always constantly pedaling on one side or the other or trying to adjust for her. And with the motor, I found that that makes that significantly simpler. You can kind of kick back, kick it on, and you'll glide along even with her hands and stuff in there. And you can still use the pedal or paddle, sorry, to assist or steer. Because uh, much like yeah. you said with your setup there... The only thing I found with my trolling motor was it's awkward to operate because on any of the boats I own, including the canoe, well, on the canoe, it's not so bad because it's off to one side. And that is kind of the downside, unless you got a flat back canoe, is it's going to have to be mounted off to one side or the other. I just took a two by four with a couple C clamps, clamped it onto the stern uh, and mounted the motor to the two by four sticking up the side. I just kept it in as close as I could to the canoe. That way it's not pushing it way off because if you mount it, the, or sorry, if the further you mount it offside, the better chance it has of basically just pushing you in circles. <laughs> yes. You can compensate with that by the angle and stuff, but if you can get it in nice and close, then generally as you're holding the stick straight, you're going to go relatively straight. So, I have no idea where I was going with this. <laughs> I got myself talked out of a point. It'll come back to me. Well, what I've seen a lot of people do is with the 2x4 across or a board across and hooking it onto it, it's close to the boat, and you can get a friction like collar on these things so it, it won't wobble around on you. It'll stay facing the direction you have. It's a bit of, it takes a bit of force to straighten it out. It can basically be your second paddler. Yeah. It, and that's where that's, that was exactly my point. You go ahead, and I'll come back to mine. So you set it up, you paddle on one side the, and, the, um, and steer, and the trolling motor, you, you don't have to put it on full power, you put it on a quarter or half. And it acts like a whole second paddler. It's pretty consistent. Honestly, it'd be the most consistent partner you've ever had for paddling. It will do that one job exceedingly well. And so if you have a more loaded boat, or even if you have a person in the front that's paddling, and it takes a lot of the weight off, and it really does help. Um, so it's 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 a neat advantage. And that's the point I was originally getting to before I lost my complete train of thought was, for one person, it cuts down on your work a ton. You set it like you said, you lock it into place, low power, move up to the center, and for me, like this year, I hurt my shoulder over the course of the winter, it's probably going to be hard for me to put a full paddle onto my right shoulder so if i stick this sucker on the right side i can now paddle left-handed and still effectively do everything i want to yeah yeah no i i mean i, I did like having my trolling motor and now with advances and some of the batteries like you mentioned like a gel cell i know you can get the lithium ion style car style like automotive 12 volt battery uh you can probably really cut some of that weight down proportionately and have something that um and something else i seen that was neat with this was going back to the rubber dinghy side here uh, i had to buy a motor mount for the trolling motor 
even though it was a dinghy, um, it didn't really have any kind of transom to mount to, so you end up getting a mounting kit, yada, yada, yada. Uh, you can set up, if you want to put a little more money into this, you can get some decent solar panels with the inverters built directly into them or the controllers built into them. Rewire them back down into the battery, and if it's a nice, bright, sunny day, you can troll out to the middle of the lake, do your fishing, and the entire time that you're fishing, it's basically recharging your battery. Uh, and once again, good bright sunny days, if it's a small enough motor and you're not burning up a whole lot of power, it can extend your ride time or boat time, whatever you want to call it, significantly. Um, I took this idea from somebody on YouTube. Their name eludes me at the moment. If I, if I can find it again, I'll include it in the comments of this. But basically, I was looking at the Seahawk 4 modifications. There's a whole niche to this thing where people build these into bass boats, basically. And that's where I got my templates and stuff and started making mine into that because I wanted something that Mel and I could use a little more effectively. Because the big thing with the rubber dinghy for me is where it's a soft bottom and being heavier. You weigh very heavy in the bottom and it's like this big jutting proportion into the bottom of your boat that you're trying to paddle around with. It just makes it difficult at the very least to say. So I was hoping the trolling motor would offset that. And then we got into the flat bottoms and yada, yada, yada. And now I'm seeing some neat designs for the type of canoe that I have, because it does have a spot where they're supposed to be quote unquote paddle holders, you know, like the little clips where your paddles will set in and you can leave your oars attached and whatever. Right. But apparently you can use the same mounting holes to build a small canopy to put these solar panels back on, which is what I'm going to look into this year for when me and the girls are out. It'll offer some shade for Lily and a little recharging feature for the battery. And I'm hoping that's going to work out pretty well. Jackery for or any other charge. And yeah, or Chris, like you said, uh, a Jackery or any other charging station you can bring on there and extend your life as well. Yeah. Have you seen, I know this is not exactly trolling motors, but I've been at a couple of boat shows recently and the SUP, the stand-up paddle boards and stuff, mm -hmm. they now have little, like, jet engines that you can mount where the rear fin is. And it, the battery comes with it. It's not all that big. And I have, you can go the, I've huh? seen these engines you're talking about. And I have wondered if one of those could be modified on the larger size to potentially work onto a small canoe. So this is another thing, or a kayak more specifically, not a canoe, a kayak. Like those sit-on ones that I borrowed from you. I don't think a sit-on, because my sit-ons are 10 and 12 foot. My kayaks are 10 and 12 foot. Similar with. They weigh similar. I, I don't see how that they couldn't work as is. The thing is, you could have a much bigger battery in a kayak, potentially. Yeah. And once again, that's the beauty of uh, the canoe over the dinghy that I found. That was the number one thing, was the battery just goes in. It's not, like, sinking into the boat or any of that nonsense. It's not adding a whole bunch of extra weight. Uh, I may have to look these up just bought a paddleboard for my daughter yeah no they're they're a real cool thing danny and just like ben said they're they're a little jet um oscillating jet engine is that what they call them or jet motor jet pump something like that <laughs> anyway and they go on these paddle boards 
Uh, and if you ever seen those like scooters you get on that have the little hand thing that controls how they go, that's much like what these things do, except I think it's a foot-operated one or something, but it's neat. It's neat as heck. Uh, and getting back to your point there, Chris, about the uh, trolling motors and the solar panels, it's a huge thing. Once again, with the Seahawk 4 modding community, which is where I got this idea, there's folks that put like two gel cell batteries in and three of these panels going over top to make a canopy. And they run, like, the majority of the day on these things. They just say, don't crank it up all the way. Don't run over half. You're not going to get anywhere blazing fast. But you will cover a ton of ground over the course, or a ton of water, I guess, over the course of the day. Uh, so I think it's a great combo, providing you have the stability to set it up. My problem with the canoe is canoes are a little tippier than rubber dinghies. And putting stuff higher up, I don't know if that's going to create more problems or not. So, stand by for potentially more disastrous results. No, no, they're not that tippy, are they? Well, they can be. I mean, mine's pretty solid, I'm not going to lie, but I measured it and it's an 18-foot canoe. For some reason, I thought it was 16-foot. It's actually 18 and a half. And it's almost three and a half wide in the center or something like that steve was asking me questions about it and i actually took a measuring tape out and measured it and realized that i've been saying all the completely wrong things about my canoe but yeah chris that's the thing if you're going to mount something high up on a canoe regardless of how stable it is you may want to put some like outriggers on it or an outrigger uh just to give you a little stabilization there maybe you don't need it i don't know not a canoe expert yet that's kind of ben's thing what's your thought on that ben uh, i mean i uh... I, I've just looked. I mean, you, you can definitely put a, a little electric motor on these things. If you can stand in a, ca a canoe and paddle, mm. these motors aren't going to cause any difference. I mean, like, it's what you get used to. It's how you get used to it. Um, just make sure you have a way of shutting it off in case of emergency. Yeah. Um, that's what I would do. If I was rigging one up, I would probably rig up a kill switch somehow in case you ever got kicked out or whatever. And it that would about just and just blast away on you. But on that note, you can buy inline kill switches with those little pull-off tags. Much yeah, like what you would exactly get on a... What, would... what are they called? Jet skis? Mm. Yeah. That's exactly what I would get. And I, I'm looking at some of these here. And they go on your ankle. Like, it's it's just part of the setup. I just sent you one. Just a little box. With a remote breaker. Yeah. That would um, be... Here, hold on. Just because I know you're wanting to look at one there, Danny, I'm going to bring it up and I'll throw it up on the... Uh... On the video there for you. This is one that Ben found here. This is one of those little uh, motors for the paddle boards. Sorry, I was just trying to get this open and I kind of wandered off there a little bit. Nope. Let's try this one. Nope. If anybody's wondering what I'm doing, everything's going. This will work, though. Um, yeah. So... You probably can't see it there, Ben, because of the way I have things set up now, but it's just that Amazon page that you threw up for me. Mm -hmm. um, as you can see there, like, it, a little costly. It is basically $1,200 Canadian, so that's that's a big chunk of money. However, out of that, you are getting a motor, a charger, a battery, the breakaway switch. So, I mean, you're, you're getting a little bit in turn for your money. 
Um, but it, it, it's a neat thing. And I've kind of wondered if you could make something like this convert over to a kayak. My question is, how do these things steer? Are you steering with your paddle or is there a way to steer the motor itself? I would say, most part, you still need to paddle. And that's kind of my feeling, which will ultimately throw a wrench in my plan for trying to attach to some sort of boat. <laughs> I mean, you can still do it with the paddle, don't get me wrong. Um, my worry would be coming into shallow water. Like, I'm a big fan of my canoe simply because it's really good in shallow water. Like, I only need about four inches of water. My canoe is good to go. Maybe six. Uh, and with the trolling motor, they usually have the feature that you can pull them up. You hit a switch, the whole thing will tip up, comes above the boat line. That way it doesn't drag into the into the mud and rocks and stuff like that. Which, for anybody out there that has never boated with a motor, keep in mind that is another thing that you have to be aware of. In shallower waters, there is the potential that your motor could go down, strike the bottom of rocks or sticks or debris or something like that. You could end up damaging the motor. Ask me how I know this. No. <laughs> First time out. Same place I always launched, launched from it, forgot that there was rocks immediately behind it. Ran the motor straight into it. Uh, it wasn't on, didn't do any damage, but it was one of those, oh yeah, that's a stupid move kind of moments. And ever since, I'm way more observant. But it is something to be aware of. It goes down significantly deeper than what your boat potentially sits in the water, at least mine did. The dinghy almost sits flat in the water, you know what I mean? It doesn't sink a lot. And the motor, I think, sat six to eight inches under the boat. Now, in the canoe, it's mounted up a little higher. It's not quite as much down in the water, but it's still below where I'd be used to handling that boat. So, if you were going to throw one of these on to go touring down a river, maybe not such a great idea. Though, maybe not impossible. I don't know. I wouldn't chance it personally. But for a nice lake or a pond, still water, you can't really beat them. Just remember, most of these replace the existing fin on a supboard. Yeah. Uh, that's that so, um, that little electric motor that you sent along there. It's brushless, yeah. too. So, I mean, it, it should be... I mean, I guess that's not going to be a big issue for most people. But it would be quiet. It's not going to make a lot of noise. Uh, because part of the thing that I like about being on the water is how quiet it is. And that's the other benefit to a trolling motor. And much like a motor like this, they make very little to no noise. In the rubber dinghy, anyway, all you heard was just this ever so slight hum. And I mean ever so slight. You would almost have to be paying attention to hear it. It's almost drowned out by the ripples of the water against the hull. If that makes any kind of sense. Yeah. I'm just looking at these things. I mean... Yeah, they're very quiet. Brushless is pretty powerful um, and efficient. So, I think it's it's a similar idea. If you look at kayaks, you can get the pedal-powered ones, the ones you pedal with your feet. Um, the first ones I've seen with that, they have a set of fins that kind of do a wonky Yeah, they kind of wobble back and forth kind of dealio. But the last ones I've seen is just the trolling motor style thing that's driven by a chain which to me seems like it would be a great idea especially for people that had like maybe limited use of their arms uh weaker arms for whatever reason you know what i mean damaged shoulders elbows whatever the case may be this would be a great augment to boating i guess i don't want to say replacement because i i can see 
once again, it's going to be hanging down lower, could cause issues, because I think they usually sit down towards the back, don't they, or the ones I seen did? Sits right under your feet, through in the middle of the kayak. Oh, okay, so the one I seen with these little paddling motors on it, it was still towards the back, it would almost be under your bum. So it was back, maybe, you know what I mean? It's the one I seen, you actually could, there's a, just between your legs, you could turn a couple of clips and the whole thing would fold up into the kayaks when you're in shallow shallow water. See, that's a good idea. I, The last time I seen one of these, man, I was in elementary school, so we're talking like 20 years ago or longer. How old am I now? Oh, God, it's longer. I don't want to remember that. <laughs> Much longer. The one I seen was Gary Lynch, actually. Yeah, I know Gary has some uh, neat stuff there, and he'd be a little bit more informed about those paddling features oh by far more informed than i am but no i it's, think oh sorry go ahead it's, it's just it's neat like it definitely gives you an ability that you didn't have before and if you've ever been out canoeing or kayaking or supping when there's wind it can be really hard to fight the wind that electric motor can make the difference between you being able to go into the wind and you not being able to go into And that's what I found. It was, well, obviously it's easier to go against the wind with the motor. You're not working at all. But I found the boat cut through better. And I don't know if it's because you can hunch in and narrow your profile a little bit. Because when you're paddling, you got your arms up, your chest is kind of flared out, your shoulders are squared. And then you bring that paddle up, it acts kind of like a kite. And I mean, I'm exaggerating a little here. It's not a kite, it's just a piece of wood. But it all creates drag now with the motor you can kind of set it turn yourself sideways or blade yourself you're almost cutting directly through the wind yes and it's steady power yeah so it builds that momentum and you can keep it going way more effectively than with every paddle it paddles and then the wind hits you and it kind of breaks you a little bit. You lose that momentum. And then every paddle is like you're starting off again. So it wears a lot more on you as an individual as well as, you know, just everything else. And every paddle you do, you have to slightly correct because you're putting pressure on one side. So it turns. To... So if anybody is familiar with paddling a canoe, there's two ways you can do that. You can either do what's called a J hook which case you paddle in and you turn your oar ever so slightly so it creates a little bit of drag and it'll straighten the boat out. Or you got to paddle side to side, whichever way you happen to like more. <clears throat> yeah, so, yeah. So you come back and you twist a little bit and get that little kick. And you're trying to get your boat to go as straight as possible. That nice even power can help with that. I'm trying to think. So yeah, those are the big things for that. Yeah, that's it. Push out. Kick. <laughs> it's been so long since I've been in the water, man. I gotta get the canoe out. Uh, for whatever reason, it started snowing here again today. I don't know what it's like out in your neck of the woods, but here we had snow all day for some reason. Beautiful, almost 20 degree weather all week, and then all of a sudden, bang, snow. We had 23 in the sun yesterday. I'm just checking out. I think same thing today. 21. Feels, uh, feels like 21. We almost had 20 degree weather. It was more like, you know, 16... 17 degree but then yeah just today decide to drop to like one degree which uh for our southern friends there might be oh i don't know 34 degrees fahrenheit 
So we went from like 60 some degrees Fahrenheit down to 30 some degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, plus 25 there. Don't, don't worry though, it's dropping down to 13 on Saturday. Oh, wow. And yeah, Steve Ben is still at work. He is very dedicated to Atlantic Bushcraft Adventures. And Steve says, cheers for spending your time dedicated to your listeners. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> the things I, we I do. Get leave, I get to leave here and drive home. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, for trolling motors, this was always supposed to be kind of a short and quick... Um, episode on them we're not experts by any stretch of the imagination but we did share what we know about them they're a ton of fun uh if you can get one at a decent price i mean whatever that happens to be for you we held out found them on sale generally they're going to be cheaper than an electric or sorry a gas motor anyway though i do know that there is some like chinese made motors and stuff like that that sit around the 400 dollars mark when you order them in I've seen mixed reviews on them. I'm curious about maybe purchasing one myself for the rubber dinghy. But for this here, I, I love the trolling motor. It's quiet. It's tranquil. It works easy. Uh, it's so easy to operate. Even my daughter can do it. Like she is seven, going to be eight this year. And I would have no problem saying here, Lily, knock yourself out in the middle of the lake. So she didn't run into the shore or something. But with a little, you know, adult guidance, I would not hesitate to let her try the boat out as we're with a gas engine i'd be a lot more worried yeah things to keep in mind trolley motors usually almost all plastic uh requires a lot less maintenance it's cheaper to maintain mm. um if you put it away wet if you don't dry it out drain it um it can corrode i had one corrode one time and i was actually able to get it freed up, sand it and clean the dirt out, soaked it in vinegar, put a little bit of oil in there and lubed it all up, sealed it all back together and it ran fine. So you can actually repair them. That being said, you know, take take a few minutes, make sure you've, you've properly treated it. Yeah, drain, and everything requires maintenance. Anything that you're going to play with, it's going to require a little bit of maintenance. Just read the manual. It'll tell you all the maintenance. If you're going to use these in salt water, and you can use them in salt water, just make sure you rinse them off. Salt will get in there, and it'll deteriorate seals over time, and it'll corrode stuff. It's good for the short term. It's just it's not designed to be in there, you know, like sitting in there without being flushed out. Fresh water is the better way to go. Just make sure you flush them. Uh, on, like, uh, gas-powered motors, they don't require the water to keep them cool as much i know in a gas powered motor there's it brings the water in and it cools the engine and stuff like that with the electric motor there's not so much heat there's heat in the cables uh and a little bit in the motor yes but not like a gas powered engine if that makes any kind of sense so there's a lot less risk there you don't have to worry about burning yourself in the exhaust you do have to worry about keeping a good battery and maintaining that battery so instead of just maintaining a motor you are now maintaining a motor and a battery but both are much more simplistic than their gas-powered counterpart. And like I said, if, I would rather buy a cheap trolling motor and a decent battery than a cheap battery and a great trolling motor. 
yeah, by far, if you're going to spend your money on one or the other, definitely go into a decent battery. Definitely look for a deep cycle battery, though they are going to set you back significantly more than a car battery would. Go into it expecting that. I think they're almost three times the cost. Uh, I got a second-hand one for around $210. So, and I can buy the battery the for my... Side. Oh, sorry. And say the flip side, though, is still for under 500 bucks, you can have a really good setup. And a lot of fun. A lot of fun for anyone. Um, get outboard. You're not getting much in the way of a decent new motor. For under a thousand, honestly. No. And even at a thousand, that's a used motor. Uh, and don't get me wrong, not knocking on gas-powered motors. They have their place. Uh, if you're looking to go long distances in a big hurry... Gas motor. You're not going to get that out of a Charlin motor. You know what I mean? If you got a bigger boat, you got like a 24 schooner or something like that, you're going to want a motor on that. Like an actual motor, not a Charlin motor. But uh, yeah. Anyway, long story short, they are a great option. Do a little bit of research. Hopefully, we've given you a little insight into here. Um, real, just keep in mind you got to mount the thing, be it a uh, front mount, rear mount, however it is. Make sure you're buying the one for your purpose. Make sure you got a decent battery. Make sure you have decent wires if you're going to run this thing a little bit. I know mine came with a short run of wire. It was like four feet, but if you want to go more than that, make sure you use decent wire. Don't try and run this thing through speaker wire. It's going to melt those up. You're going to have a bad time. Uh, there is a significant amount of amperage going through this so as long as you use your noodle you can have a ton of fun out of these things with not a whole lot of money for what you're getting and the ability to maintain them yourself with very little mechanical knowledge it's not like you need to know how a small engine comes apart and how to tune a carburetor you don't have any of that in there you have to understand basically a brushless motor which honestly there's not a lot of parts in there you're talking about an aperture and some brushes and magnets and you know what i mean you can figure it out with a google search really quick on like how to tune a carburetor um <clears throat> And that's the other thing, Steve. Don't forget, if you're becoming motorized, you do require some sort of licensing behind that, depending on where you're at. Here in Canada, you used to be able to get the, what's it called? Pleasurecraft, Pleasurecraft licensing course, I think is what it was. Once upon a time, it was free. Now it's not. There is a cost involved in that. Um, so just be aware of the local regulations and laws for your area, regardless of what you're doing. I know in some areas, if you're just using a trolling motor, you're fine. It's not considered a gas powered motor. You don't need any kind of licensing. Other places, they consider that as a, now a powered vehicle. You now need some licensing with that. And then there's other places. Once your boat's over a certain length, you need the licensing anyway, regardless if you're paddling it, motorized it, getting it pulled by something else. Doesn't matter. So be very aware of your local laws and regulations. We don't want you folks going out there and getting in any trouble and then saying, oh, hey, Ben and Robert said I didn't need any of this junk. Honestly, we don't know where you are living. We don't know what's specific to your location. And frankly, we are just a couple of guys that get into some trouble ourselves sometimes. <laughs> so, but yeah, good point, 100%. Steve. 100%. We don't know everything. We don't pretend to know everything. Oh, man. We, we would never lie to you and say we did. <laughs> we come on here to tell you what doesn't work because we probably tried what doesn't work more often than what works. And that's just human nature. So, such is life. But, um, yeah, I think that's a good place to stop here for tonight. We even ran into 45 minutes. It actually became a little longer show than we originally planned for. So, good a place as any to end off. Do you have any closing notes there, Ben? 
No, I think we covered it all. Um, like I said, get out there, have fun. Um, you know, try different things, experiment, have have fun with that stuff. Um, we did. I mean, this isn't something that we probably even thought of as bushcraft, but you know, trying to find a way out there in a cheap, easy way, it was a for me, it was a great solution to a problem because I I looked at the gas ones and even the used ones. They needed a lot of work. I could pick this up brand new. Use an existing battery and just put around the lake. <clears throat> uh, so it was it's it was a lot of fun. I'm I highly so, I'm super excited for Lily to take me boating this year because she's already been asking <laughs> if she can go boating, which means she wants to run the motor. And like I said, with a trolling motor, I'm willing to let her. I'll be there to help her. I'm not going to let her go out on her own. Nothing like that, but. It's a great way to get your kids involved as well. Or at least I think it is. I could be wrong. Somebody out there could be, you know, throwing daggers at me right now. I don't know. But my opinion for the redneck, I I guess, I'm going to go for it. So, anyway, like Ben said, get out there. Play safe. Have fun. Let us know about it. All that good jazz. That our goodbye. Night, Night everybody. <laughs>